Welcome to Case Closed, the Contingency Fee Podcast. On the show, our team of industry experts interviews contingency fee attorneys. You will discover everything from how they got started to the secrets of their success and what's working in today's marketplace. And now, here's the Case Closed Podcast. Well, good morning, all. How are you today? We are going to do another uh, segment of Case Closed. And we have a famous uh, Tampa attorney, Bryant Donovan. So, Bryant, tell the audience who you are and what you do. Yeah, my name is Bryant Donovan. I'm a consumer protection attorney. Uh, I do a lot of real estate law as well as uh, consumer protection. So I sue under the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act, the Florida Consumer Collection Practices Act, as well as RESPA and the Truth in Lending Act. All of those acronyms keep me quite busy. And how many cases do you handle at a given time? Uh, I'm probably running a caseload somewhere close to 100, if not a little more. Um, It varies based on the month, you know. End of the year, people want to settle. Beginning of the year, they're a little less likely to. So, and you do any class action work or only individuals? I do do class actions. Unfortunately, a lot of my proposed class actions have plaintiffs getting picked off, but that's the nature of the business sometimes. Wonderful. So tell me what's uh, the hardest part of your practice? The hardest part right now, and at least in Florida, we're under intense pressure to get these cases resolved. And we're coming from a a time period where during COVID, a lot of cases were, were kind of stalled out. They weren't really moving, which led to a backlog. All right. So what is the best advice you ever got as an attorney and from whom? Uh, the best advice I, I ever got was from a gentleman, Roger Mills. If you've seen The Lincoln Lawyer, he, he helps with that production. The best advice I, I got was to basically ask you know, other, other lawyers who they were impressed by. And if you can find their transcripts, find their tricks, be able to, you know, craft them in, into your own way. And that's advice I've kind of taken throughout my career, whether it's, you know, preparing Vaudier for a jury to, to pick a jury. It's, you know, a lot of law is borrowing from other people and trying to improve on it. So that's what I've, I've really tried to in, endeavor to do, at least one, you know, one of those items I, I use it almost in every Vaudier I do, which is explaining bias. And, and I heard... Keith Mitnick from Morgan & Morgan talking about, he likes talking about apple pie versus cherry pie, and he likes apple but doesn't like cherry, and using that to explain kind of unconscious bias. I've turned that into pizza. I eat a lot more pizza than pie. So, you know, it's those types of things where, you know, constantly trying to learn and learn new tricks. That's the best advice I think I've got. And using those techniques, what's the biggest money case you ever had? Biggest money case? It was, you know, seven figures. I, you know, it's settled. I can't really discuss it, but well, that's fine. It, it was a lot of pressure in terms of, you know, we were suing large banks and trying to work through the, you know, the records that we got from them. And that just became almost a law firm onto itself. That one case took so much time where unless you were living and, and breathing it, you'd miss something. So. And what is the most famous case you had? Uh, The most famous case, uh, it was probably the Bartram case out of in the Supreme Court. I think I've helped with the amicus briefs. I used to be on the Florida Alliance for Consumer Protection. That was a a Florida state board that really worked hard to develop consumer rights and advocate for them. Now I I help with the National Association of Consumer Advocates as well. So it's that type of work, really trying to be the the voice, whether it's in public or private for, for consumers out there. 
throughout the nation. So are, have, have you looked at the California case law that allows you in any action where uh, an event has occurred that affects someone's credit and uh, sued as an element of damage, damage to credit? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that whole line of lawsuits, you know, I, I think they're all actionable. Uh, obviously, the U.S. Supreme Court and other jurisdictions disagree more and more. And that's that's a fight we're kind of taking to the, the front lines. We've you know, whether some, a statutory violation in, in those cases can actually be something that leads to a lawsuit is, is very hotly contested. Uh, and how do you get most of your business? Most of my business, is, it's twofold. One is other attorneys. I've kind of crafted, you know, these little pockets of, of law that not a lot of people are familiar with, or, or maybe it's too mundane, they don't want to touch it, and I like it. So they think of me first and refer me business. And what well, kind of lawyers refer you that kind of business? It can be personal injury attorneys for some debt collection matters, a, you know, a plaintiff's attorneys who I've had the opportunity to go against and sometimes come out victorious, sometimes settle cases that we didn't think could get settled. Somehow I stick in their mind and, and they thankfully send me referrals nowadays. Other times it's, you know, I read everything I get. As a lawyer, we do a lot of reading. So I'm always reading the mail my clients are getting and that's being sent to me and you know, we find causes of action in, in simple letters that, you know, most most people wouldn't see, but it's there. Are you doing ADA website suits? I'm not bringing those suits. I'm referring those out. I tend to stick to the mortgage financing, um, HOA debt, you know, anything that sees that intersection between dirt and debt. That, that's what I'm focused on. Dirt and debt. I like that. Mm-hmm. I've never heard that phrase. So what's the best advice you've given to any young attorney that you've encountered? I think the best advice I'm able to give is to most of the time I'm talking to potential attorneys as they're interviewing for internships. And it's really making use of that internship process. If they have the opportunity to be at a larger firm, a smaller firm, clerking for a judge, there's a real magical moment in time there where People will give you this, their secrets because you're not a you're not a threat. You're not out there fighting for the same business. So if you do have an internship, obviously make the most of it. For new attorneys, again, it's read everything you see. I, mean, I can't tell you how often it is. People don't review their files. They miss something in a motion that could change the case, but they haven't taken the time to look at it. So also the best advice I got was to slow down. You know, make sure you're taking that time to reread things, read it more times than you think you need to because things jump out at you at different moments. So what would be the most interesting case you've had? We talked about the most money, the most famous, but what is the most interesting case you've ever had? The, the most interesting cases uh, I'm, I'm seeing more and more now, there's a whole vein of solar panel litigation that I'm getting inundated with calls on. That to me is a very interesting set of cases. They're all different, but they're all, they all have the same common themes. I'm a trial lawyer, so I'm always thinking, you know, what's the, what are those themes you can put before a jury? And it's, you know, a lot of folks who are, are trying to do the right thing. They're trying to make educated decisions on financing and, you know, helping the environment, especially coming out of the financial crisis back in 2008, 2009. And it, it's, it's unique insofar as you see a lot of the same things repeating themselves, but also they're deals that sound so good that most people would automatically say yes to them only to find out they're being, you know, 
misled or not being given all the information. So those, I, th I think, you know, recency being on top of mind, I think those are the most interesting cases I'm seeing now. There have been egregious sets of facts that over time it's getting to the bottom of, of what's at, what are actually the motives behind everything that, you know, pulling that puzzle apart is, is very stimulating for me as a lawyer. So uh, when I was a defense attorney, and I can tell from reading about you, you're not one of these, but I'm curious how it happens today. I had an attorney claim hours that were basically outrageous. Mm -hmm. So I uh, got permission and I deposed him for three days and had to block out who, but I got to see his other records and he was billing at 22 hours a day. And of course, the first district court of appeals didn't like that. How do defense attorneys uh, uh, go at you on your hours since you, you claim fees hourly? My hours, are, when they look at them, they always come out fairly reasonable. Um, I joke when I, I co-counsel with other folks that you know, maybe I don't think I'm capturing all of the time I put into a file, which is obviously to my detriment. But yeah, I don't have many fee disputes when it comes to what my hourly expenditures are because I, I do it decent job, I think, of self-editing those. It's not something I'm ready to put before a judge and, and will stake my reputation on. That's not going to make my timesheet, um, which you know, leads, leads to some issues when it does come to a fee hearing. You know, you don't want to cut anything, obviously, but I try to take that work out of the judge's hands where I can. And what, what is the average multiplier these days? What's your hourly rate and what's the multiplier you get? Uh, currently, I'm billing at $400 an hour. Most judges, it seems there's been a shift. They're, they're hesitant to actually issue a multiplier unless it's a really egregious case. So the multipliers, you know, so some judges will give you 1.2, 1.5, you know, if the facts warranted. I don't think I've seen many go to two. Okay. So what would you like to tell the world why you should be the man that they hire when they have a consumer issue? A lot of my cases, they're... They come to me, unfortunately, after other folks have tried to handle them. And you know, the big key is leverage. That's what I think differentiates my practice from other practices is I look at litigation as a way to generate leverage and use that to try to find you know, an outcome that's not necessarily there when it starts. So well, ladies and gentlemen, Brian Donovan is the man you should hire in the Tampa Bay area when you need to go after someone for consumer uh, fraud or uh, mishandling of your debt or calling you too often at the wrong time today, which uh, I hear is very common. Thank you for your time. Thank you very much, Matt. Thank you for listening to another episode of Case Closed, the Contingency Fee Podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening to this week's guests and their insight. If you liked what you heard, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. Case Closed, the Contingency Fee Podcast is led by industry experts who unlock insights from the nation's top contingency fee attorneys. Each week on the show, the guests share how they got started, secrets of their success, and what's working in today's marketplace. Guests on the Case Closed Podcast include successful contingency fee attorneys that will share their secrets so you can close more cases. Tune in each week for a dynamic conversation about winning legal strategies that will grow your business. 